Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic, cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening to us this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend. This is the biggest way that podcasts grow. Say positive things about us on social media. If you haven't yet given us a five-star review, please pause this recording and do so now. It's less difficult than it may seem. Follow us on Twitter at, at @clergylay and join our Facebook discussion group. I'm Kirk Haberman, a church musician, and this is my brother, Chris, a priest. Hey, Chris, how you doing? I'm doing great, Kirk. Guess what I'm preaching on this Sunday. Um, the DC Cinematic Universe. The close, close, yeah. very close, actually. Um, <laughs> Hacksaw Ridge. I am, I am preaching on our our mutual friend, Father Joe Gasberry. Well, not really, not him specifically, his U- Ethiopian counterpart. <laughs> our first lesson this Sunday is on the, <laughs> Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Yeah, there we go. And so uh, I get to talk about the um, anatomy. Yeah, about how he was considered ritually unclean, and and uh, as he's reading uh, from scripture, that he he sees himself welcomed into uh, this covenant. That he asks Philip, uh, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth, and then asks Philip, "What prevents me from being baptized?" He says, um, "Here is water. Here is water." Every time uh, we go past the water, body of water, in my head, I say. <laughs> Here's water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? It is interesting. Ch- the, the church uh, at, at one point had a one year long catechumenate. Um, for yeah. an entire year, you had to. Uh, so, anyway, like as we seek to be like biblical Christians, we look at things like uh, Philip baptizing his Ethiopian eunuch right away. You know, yeah. well, like the, the question, well, what prevents me? It's like, well, well, nothing, right? Um, right. And, and, and at times we've, 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 required people to spend an entire year preparing uh again that's not a bad thing but uh there's there's always a balance right yeah 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 and did did you say you've got a baptism coming up as well i did not say that okay we did, we did I, baptism I a couple weeks ago oh okay that that's maybe what i was thinking of yeah yeah did the did the child express a desire to be baptized here's water the child Here did not water. no the that's child it. was uh does not speak <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, I'm glad you're preaching on that. That's a, that's a fun text. Um, the best text. part about that text is the part that's probably never preached. Not the best part. What, that, that Philip runs up to the moving chariot? And it's not the, clear that the chariot stops? It's like No, where does Philip go at the end of the text? He's whisked away. Yeah. I love where? it. Where? 
Uh, I, I don't remember the place. Yeah, no, but it's, some, it's, it's somewhere back into the Levant, right? Like he found himself at Azotus. I don't know where that is. <laughs> so I'll have, to, I'll have to research that. I haven't done the text. That's like a yet. really interesting thing that yes. because of all the other interesting things that happened in the passage that, that, that gets passed over. And it's like the last verse. Yeah, it's, and when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus as he passed through. He preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. What a wonderful passage in all the ways. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and I, I want to see it if someday uh, after a baptism, you're whisked away. <laughs> yes. Like, wait, my kids are like, where'd dad go? Oh. The, the Lord had need of him elsewhere. That, um, earlier today, Christopher, you and I had had a had a had a really helpful for me text conversation about the charismatic movement, mm. and uh, and you, and you confessed to having um, being a being a bit of a, an aspiring an aspiring charismatic. So, I am. Um, shoot, I forgot where I was going with this. I feel like Homer Simpson's grandpa or Homer Simpson's dad. <laughs> like we might legitimately have to cut this segment. Like that, it was like a 30 second preamble was like too long for me to like land the plane. <laughs> Anyhow, let, so maybe it'll come to me. It probably won't. In any case. <laughs> oh man. In, in any case, Christopher, guess what I did this morning? Uh, well, I actually know. So why, why don't you tell me? You told me ahead of time. I tell the audience. I dropped off my van again. I was too too lazy, and actually it was raining last night, and I didn't feel like, did you, like dropping did it off. You, and... Did you bring some remnant yeast to present as a peace offering? Uh, again, poor preparation and poor planning. I did not. <laughs> I, I walked by um, our sonorous, patriotic singer, early morning singer. Uh, I walked past him empty-handed. And uh, so I dropped it off, and it was. Uh, I checked my 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 watch as I walked past. It was 6.03 a.m. when I walked past. So it might have been too early, but... Um, no flag and uh, no singer. So, so is so, the flag up now? Uh, well, I, I didn't. I didn't drive past on the way home. So, okay. so un unclear, undetermined. Um, and and the uh, the the small business owner across the street, um, her van wasn't there. So so again, I I, I don't you know. If probably it's a you probably missed your chance that one day the yeast would have sealed the deal. Now both have given up on everything. Well, the other thing that I thought of that I should have done is um, because I've you know sung both sung in choirs and been in <laughs> bands. Um, I know all the parts. I know the tenor part and the bass part and the alto part. I should have like started singing in harmony with him. That would have been great. And see see if he would have had like the chutzpah to to just plow on through with you know a rando off the street harmonizing with him if he's going to sing Rick, it well i'll sing harmony well with him even the tenor line and you and i are tenors i always found difficult because i don't have a deep register and it requires you to sing an a, a flat, flat. That, that a flat. flat is a tough one for me yeah. to, i mean to sing with i could sing it but to sing it with volume uh, yeah hard to have do. you seen in the episcopal hymnal um the national anthem is in b flat so like all the, the high notes are just Fs. They're just <laughs> so it, it requires basically like operatic singer singing from the singer. Yeah. Like notably, notably, this is it's often been commented on that we our national anthem, which maybe you know and love, um, is one of the most unsingable tunes in terms of its range. Like it requires very low notes and then very high notes. 
And so it has turned many a, an enthusiastic singer into kind of accidentally croaking or like they're just like, there's a range of like two different keys that you can choose yeah, or your yep. toast. Right. Who's the, who's the famous track Car- star? Carl, Carl Lewis. Carl Lewis started it way too high. And when he got to in the rockets, red glare, he just crow. He says, and the rockets red glare. <laughs> <laughs> Because he he did that acapella and just did not bring a pitch pipe or or did or like lost the pitch or whatever. Did we talk about this here? I found uh, I found who who is it? Um, what pop singer? Uh, she she has a who's the pop singer who sang the national anthem at the inauguration um, this January? <laughs> Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. Okay. I found it quite moving. Did you uh, listen to that rendition? I did not watch. It was like in a different. It was in an unusual time signature. Okay. Um, and she uh, she didn't sing it with ornamentation, but she sang it uh, with 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 gusto and um, and it was great. And do you know the story behind that as well? Uh, she um, she's interesting. She uh, she's probably not what you would call a conventional Christian, but she uh, she was raised in the church and she it's kind of stirring and lurking around in her heart. And she says some interesting things about her about faith periodically and about christ and uh she was nervous you know this is a big deal the eyes of the nation are on you when you're singing the national anthem for the for a presidential inauguration and uh, she asked her marine escort um if he would pray for her Mm. and he said absolutely it would be my pleasure and there um you can i'm sure you could google image it there's this moment where they're caught holding hands together um in prayer before she walks out um it's a really lovely moment that's beautiful. It is really beautiful. Almost makes me regret uh, adding this one tidbit before we move on to the gospel. Add the um, tidbit. It's simply that with the Super Bowl, uh, they you could bet on anything. Like, is the first play going to be a pass or a run? You can bet on, you know, when the first incompletion is going to be. You can bet on the length of the Star Spangled Banner. Because, <laughs> yes. like, the, the one way that they add ornamentation to it every year, mm-hmm. every year, Kirk, it gets longer that's what they do is, is, is they kind of draw it out. Um, right. So like kind of really there'll, there'll come a time where the unique thing that you do, the twist is that you just like plow, it, plow, yeah, through you just it. plow through it. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Um, well, Kirk, uh, I love um, doing this podcast with you. So uh, anything to say before we move on to the gospel? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think um, a discussion of uh, betting bump, lines on the bump uh, set spike. I think betting lines on the on on the uh, Super Bowl is a great segue into our Lord's Gospel. <laughs> So, so you didn't pick up the if the love. Okay. All right. Today's gospel <laughs> comes from John chapter 14, verses 15 through 21. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. 
you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more because you will see me because I live. You also will live in that day. You will know that I am in my father and you and me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So here we are in John chapter 14 in the farewell discourse, which is lengthy. Uh, John gets to the last week of Christ's life very quickly. Uh, which we've established before. And he has this lengthy farewell discourse and, and it kind of crescendos with uh, John 17, this high priestly prayer that we discussed last year. I don't know when that was. I'd imagine it's been during the summer when it, it can be a bit confounding where Jesus is like you and me and I and you and yep. and, me and you. And, and um, this has, this, this can seem a little bit like that, um, especially apart from Jesus signs and, and, uh, and these I am statements. Uh, but this first statement, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is uh, this is central here. And I want to talk just briefly about what this is and what it isn't. So first, what isn't it? This is not a proof text for moralists. Hmm. So uh, this is a memory verse for a lot of people. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And, and people who really, really emphasize obedience to, really to the at the cost of, of, of God's grace, that God comes to us. Um, always God comes to us in grace uh, because we are sinners. Um, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us is, is how Paul put it. And uh, that's how he comes to us. And that's how we continue with him is, is we continue as sinners. We, um, and, and so this is not like something to slap in people's faces. And, and I guess this is on my mind because, it'll relate a little bit to our theology topic today, but I just feel so many people in the church are, are abused by moralistic shepherds, people who, who heap on burdens that people cannot bear. Um, when in fact our relationship with God is, is made right, not because we could keep his commandments, but because the Lord that because Jesus has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. Um, but, like having been grafted into the vine, having been adopted into uh, God's family as, as, as sons and daughters, uh, this powerful language of adoption that, that, that can't be broken by, by our conduct. Um, like Jesus does, uh, like once we enter that relationship with this in mind, like knowing that our relationship is one that we are grafted in by grace and grace alone, we can look at this and understand it. That Jesus says, all this thing, all this stuff that you've experienced and heard from me, everything. So like all that stuff, if you, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so you might ask, well, what, what are his, Jesus commandments? Like uh, we have the 10 commandments that, that God gave to Israel at Sinai. Is, is that what, what he's talking about? Um, and almost all the scholars agree that this is kind of, holistic that like when jesus says my commandments he's saying like everything that i've again this is a farewell discourse so like he's like everything that i've said to you like this is the way that you walk in right which is why we 
talk about our uh, walking with Jesus or following Jesus, that Jesus is saying, I've accepted you in love. Now, if you love me, walk, continue in this way. Walk in this way that you have learned. And um, so, so verse 15 is, is really, really significant in, in the Christian's walk of, of to, re- to remember that we return to the word, that we return to the gospels to see like, what is this way that Jesus is calling us to walk? And then um, verse 16 is, is also incredibly significant. Jesus is, is preparing them as we approach the ascension and Jesus going away. He says this again in, in, in chapter 16 of, of the book of John. But here in, in John 14, he's preparing them for him to go away and for them to, for him to send. So he, I guess he says he will give you another helper. But two, two chapters later, he says, I will. Like, I need to go away so that I can send you this uh, comforter or counselor or helper or advocate. There are a number of ways of, of, of putting that. And each one has a little bit of a different angle and, and represents what what uh, what the Holy Spirit is for us. But what what, what it is, is, is he's preparing them for this big idea. That Jesus' physical absence means his universal presence. The geography no longer is the most significant thing. In the Old Testament, geography is important, that, that the Ark of the Covenant was seen as, as the presence of God. And even in the New Testament, I mean, there were times that Jesus did, he, uh, like there was one time where Jesus said, um, Jesus did a healing kind of from afar, but he had to go to Bethany to raise Lazarus from the dead. Geography is, is, is very important. Jesus had to be present for these things. Um, but as he's preparing to go, He's going to send the spirit and Kirk, we could get really like theological and talk about the Trinity here. And we could talk about the, yeah, filioque. you're anticipating ascension and Trinity. You're like <laughs> and, the, and the filioque into- clause where it's like, well, like does the, the Holy spirit proceed from the father and the son. Um, and uh, anyway, but like the Holy spirit makes Jesus present everywhere. And that's really cool. <laughs> and the, yeah. The, 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 yeah. And it, this is a comforter that, that, um, makes Jesus present to us everywhere and always. So no, no, no uh, mic drop Kirk, just a, but, just a, but it's interesting handout. that you use the word comforter because our uh, ESV translation that we read today does not use that word in this uh, helper. Yeah. Yeah. But, but um, a lot of scholars like the, the word comforter. So what's that word paraclete. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? That was oh, my yeah, first I'm, question. That's I'm, the first totally, thing I've written down. Oh, great. Well, thank you for preparing me to be, to be your personal lexicon. Uh, next week, I will take okay, questions. Right. On, well, I'll open my I mean, lexicon and, get, and Pen- give the, the lexical range of the Pentecost word. would be the day really to, to uh, yes, talk about yeah. paraclete. Yeah. Um, there, there are a couple of uh, old hymns that are in old hymnals that I, that I love that, that use paraclete to rhyme instead of Holy spirit. Like, you know how like the last verse, what rhymes with paraclete (laughs) at your feet? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Feet. Um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yes. Can you, um, can you, can you keep a beat? So it's like, like, um, all praise that is meet the father, son and paraclete or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I forget where I was going with that. 
Oh, I, I was going to ask you about the the comforter. I mean, the I think I think we'll... so. So okay. So I I will say just a brief word. It's like I don't have like that that <laughs> fresh on my tongue. Um, uh, but but like the the ESV, which is um normative in in the ACNA, yep. like it's most yeah, most yeah. of us use it's it. It's great. Um, it is a very good translation. But there, anytime you use a translation, that there is a translator who is making a conscious decision, and, and there are so, trade offs. There are trade-offs. So when they when they translate it as helper, I think that would be the um, the most accurate translation, and that's what ESV goes for. And so sometimes it's less poetic. Um, there may be more poetic translations, and and um, I think uh, scholars and you know I will look this up and, and get a better answer for for Pentecost. But okay, um, like there is a reason to the reason they chose helper is because that is the best translation for Paraclete, but um, there are better English words to convey that. Just yeah. as, Kirk, um, like this has stuck with me because I had never heard it that way. Um, one of our uh, comfortable words, um, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. These words yeah. we hear from Jesus. Um, that like that is not a great English translation of the of the idea, right? That you said that was a Bishop Duncan that taught- I will refresh I will give you. you. Ref I'll give you refreshment or I will refresh you. Like yeah. that is a more accurate conveying of what Jesus is saying. He's not like, he's not saying come like lay out and like <laughs> relax forever, like lay out in the sun and where you for forever. Nobody's saying like, come and you will be refreshed so you can go back out and, and live, you know, yeah. that's what he's uh, calling us to. Yeah. King James, King James had, uh, had comforter. So they both, they both must capture some, some essence of, of the Holy Spirit as, as Periclete, whatever, whatever that means. So to, yeah. to be continued, we'll put it. And a, I a have to assume Kirk that you will um, insert uh, somewhere in this episode, Thomas Tallis's if ye love me. We should end with that, right? The whole thing. Yeah, sure. Uh, which is if a you're... wonderful choral piece that, um, that uses comforter. Should we do, should we do sure uh, my, KJV? should we do my four part rendition? Sure. We should not. <laughs> um, okay. Next question. Only Why? if you post the video and and also do a sea shanty. A sea shanty. I hate that. You know what I hate about those sea shanties? <laughs> they're they're auto tuned. Yeah. I hate auto tuning. All right. Yeah. So here's my question: Why are all these pas uh, passages for? We had it, we had it in year A. We have it now in year B. I'm kind of mid to late Easter tide from John's upper room discourse. Why do you ask me questions? I'm not prepared to answer. <laughs> no. um, like, I'm sure you have an answer. My, my guess would be that, that um, this is making sense to them now a little bit more than it oh, did. And he is sure. also, he's also preparing them for his ascension, for his departure. Yeah. Okay. So that was my gut. That was my gut feeling is because as, as we're, we're sort of like, I mean, we're, we're not sort of, we are closer to ascension now than we than yeah. we are looking forward than we are to easter looking back yeah so so yeah these are kind of preparatory remarks before his departure so okay yeah. i like that that's that's great and in i mean light of that, verse 18 i will not leave you as orphans like yeah. we're getting these words like in preparation for him leaving i'm assuming i so i don't have anything verifying that but that that would be my gut yeah um that that is reminiscent of a passage it's not coming to me um of the, the hymn alleluia sing to jesus um there's a line something like that isn't that um not, not as orphans are all we of back. you not as orphans are we yeah yeah well it's clearly a callback to this yeah yeah 
Um, in any case, um, here was my next question. I'm just kidding. I think I'm done with questions. I think I only have observations now. <laughs> uh, keep my commandments. I'm sort of reminiscent of his final, um, in Math St. Matthew's account, of his final words um, at his ascension, right? The Great Commission. Um, yeah, teaching them to obey all that I have all commanded. All that I have commanded, right? And the, behold, that, I will be with you always. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I will be with you always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's so, I'm, it's the same holistic sense, right? Not yeah. like all the things that I told you to do, but but the sense that like, um, we've I've, I've given you a lot of teachings, <laughs> right? Carry them with you, <laughs> keep them all. Yeah. yeah, it's so it's not a list like one through 7,000, you know, keep yeah. these things, but it's, it's, it's just the whole, yeah, all of it. Isn't that reminiscent of the Shema, right, in Deuteronomy, right? Like, keep these things as you walk by the way, as you sit mm. down with your child, right? A uh, holistic sense, like, I've done three years of teaching with you. Yeah. It's been a lot. Like, hold it dear and, and, and keep it with you and keep all those things. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I mean, that that connection with uh, Matthew's account leaps out at me. Also, I mean, you 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 hinted at this as well. It, it also leans into Trinity Sunday a bit as well. This is so deeply Trinitarian. I mean, we've made this observation before. Like, how can you read the New Testament? How can you read the, the scriptures, new and old? And the Trinity just, just doesn't leap mm. off the page and slap you in the face. Um, but all of this, I mean, so this is kind of a bleeding chunk of uh, of John 14, but but all of John 14 um, is so deeply Trinitarian. Um, just before this passage, um, Jesus said, Philip said, "Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough." Jesus said to him, "Have I been with you so long, mm. and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father?" And the Father is in me. Uh, and then, I mean, skipping ahead a couple of verses then to our passage here, then in light of that, when he says, and I will ask the Father, I mean, we see how deeply intimate that relationship and that yeah. union is, right? It's not like he'll get to it in his action item list, <laughs> right? And I will ask the Father, or in the King James, I will pray the Father, mm. and he will give you another comforter. So there's, a, 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 so, so right there, you have the Trinity, right? I, that's that's yes. that's the son then the father the first person of the trinity and then the comforter or the helper the, the spirit of truth um the third person it's so deeply trinitarian and it's beautiful and and again um i think we've stressed before how how the essence of the trinity isn't kind of doctrinal definition but the essence of trinity is relationship mm -hmm. right and you see all the verbs in the description here it's just deeply relational it mm -hmm. is it just is just this deep and mutual abiding love yeah yeah, about, and and again, that's another theme in this upper dis, upper room discourse later, right? Abide in me, um, yeah. as I am in the Father. Yeah, I love that. It's so great. Shall we move on to our theology segment? We yes, let's move into our theology theology segment. I am very excited about this. This was a special request from a friend and listener.
Yeah, which we, sh we should say, if you have a question, um, please send it our way. We would, we would uh, love to tackle kind of questions that you have on your heart. Um, as, as we come up with theology segments, there are some that, that are kind of obvious, like, oh, we really should tackle this thing because it's on our calendar or, or it's, it's particularly present. But if there's something that, that the, a question that you have, uh, by all means, send it our way. So uh, a listener question, uh, a listener asks, just what does it mean to give it up to God when praying about a situation or an issue? Is it praying about it once and then trusting God to take care of it? Is it praying about it again and again until there's an answer or resolution? And then parenthetically, someone once told me that this is a sign of not trusting God, of taking the concern back from him each time. I know that this is something that I wrestled with, especially as a new believer, and maybe there are others who can relate. So um, this is, Kirk, this is a really, really good question. Yeah. Um, and uh, it... I think it came in last week on Wednesday and on Friday, I was having a conversation with somebody that just felt like they were burdened with the same thing. Mm. But this is a common thing that people are like, am I, am I allowed to like pray to God the things that are in my heart or like, do I just have to ask it once? Or am I, am I somehow not trusting God by continually going to him in prayer of something that's burdening me? And, and I, I think that, that this is wrong. Um, People who teach that, like, you only get one shot. <laughs> ask, right. you know, make your ask of God once. I think it's wrong biblically, and I think it's wrong um, pastorally. And and I think many people are, are suffering in churches, thinking that they they have to bear these these burdens. That that yes, God wants, and if you ask more than once, it's because you don't trust God. And so a, a few scriptures come to mind, and one of them is Matthew chapter twenty three. Uh, verses one through four. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. And then this is the big verse here, Kirk, verse four. They tie up heavy burdens, hmm. hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger and so i think when you tell people when when not you the listener but like when pastors or spiritual counselors advisors say um you gotta give this to god um and and make people feel shame for for continually praying the same thing i think that they are they are tying up heavy burdens on people's shoulders and so uh, so yes, uh, the scripture definitely like in like Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is is a beautiful and wise uh, teaching where he I says, "I was wondering not, if you're going to go." There. Do not be anxious, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and 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 like this is this is wisdom, and and he wraps it. He talks about the birds of the air and the flowers of the yep. field, yep. how they feed and God feeds them and clothes them, um, and and you know, um, and he says, "Seek first the kingdom of God," and all these things, the food, the the, the the, the clothing, those will be added to you. Um, and uh, in Philippians, Paul writes about this a little bit. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And uh, what we see here is, is advice to not be anxious, but like, remember that like we are believers of the gospel and the gospel is good news, not good advice. Um, so as we are getting advice about giving things to God and not being anxious, uh, Paul is also saying, 
with prayer and supplication. Supplication means like make these requests known to God, like let him know. And Jesus um, teaches his disciples to pray. And we repeat this prayer every day, Kirk, in our daily office. Father and our father in heaven, hallowed. So this is in the Sermon on the Mountain. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does he say next? Give us this day our daily bread. Every day, give us our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Kirk, are we allowed to say this more than once? Uh, in, in our daily office, in morning prayer and evening prayer, it occurs mm-hmm. twice, <laughs> at the yeah. beginning and at the end. So, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so, um, just as Paul wrote in Philippians 4, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And as we are given this pattern to pray, Kirk, have you uh, heard the Lord's Prayer broken down in um, ACTS form? I have not. That sounds You've really not. interesting. Oh, um, if we look at the Lord's Prayer, we see four things in this order. We see adoration. A, adoration. C, confession. T, thanksgiving. And S, supplication. So asking God for stuff. You can't remember that supplication is as S, think stuff. And as we pray in this form, uh, I, uh, it's funny. I have friends, I don't know if they're going to listen to this podcast, um, who are like, Tim Keller's wrong about this one thing. And I don't, oh, that's right. He's a, post post millennialist. Um, and I'm like, okay, but I've, but I also like love Tim Keller's teaching and, um, I've learned a lot from Tim Keller. And this is one of the key insights I've learned from Tim Keller. And this is both in his preaching and in his book on prayer. Um, and he teaches uh, about a time in his life when he was, um, struggling with prayer, struggling, struggling to even pray. And he just, decided uh he made a decision with his wife let us pray together daily let's just set aside a few minutes every day to pray together and let's pray in this form this acts so let's begin our prayers adoring god um saying god you are great um we might call this doxology like um and and we say all the things to god um that we uh adore him and praise him for and we confess our sins because we're sinners. And um, it's important to confess our sins. And then we give thanks for all the things of this life. Because all things come from, from God, right? And uh, we're going to talk, I think, next week. Is next week Rogation Sunday? Yeah. Um, where yes, where there's is. the sense of, like, Lord, bless our crops. Because, like, all things come from you. And and um, I'm ready to talk about this hymn. I don't know if we'll talk about it. but Yes. Um, this uh, all good gifts around us are sent from heaven above. Then mm. thank the Lord or thank the Lord for all his love. And that's the essence of this, that um, in this Thanksgiving, what, what Tim Keller learned during this process, when he felt like his um, list of supplications was unbelievably long, what he found praying in this pattern of adoration, confession, and Thanksgiving, that by the time he got to supplications, which before the prayer seemed um, so long and so significant, what, what he realized um, once he spent time with the Lord, uh, praising him, 
and thanking him for all the good things of this life that his, his list of prayer requests seemed awfully small. Mm. That the acts prayer leads to contentedness. And um, this is part of, uh, this is a big part of, of Tim Keller's preaching that, that really pushes back against, uh, we, we have this prosperity gospel to say, um, there are people that teach um, that God wants riches and wealth for you. Well, and then there are people who are the opposite, polar opposite, who say, well, no, all of that stuff is like metaphorical or, or in the next life. And, and really, like God isn't all that concerned with your current circumstances. And what Keller in his ministry preaches is that um, Romans 8.28, that all things come together for good for those that love the, uh, the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Um, that that um, what it means by all things come together for good doesn't mean that bad things are good, right? Like, so when bad things happen, that doesn't, we don't call them good. And it doesn't mean um, that everything's going to be good just in the end. What, what it means as we, um, follow Jesus as, as part of our sanctification, we come to be content in all circumstances. Yeah. And that's the essence of what, what Paul was getting at in Philippians 4. I have learned that I can be content in all circumstances, he says, because, and I've learned what he says exactly after that is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That, like Christ gave me the strength to be content in prison. And as we pray and we realize who God is and what he's done, then suddenly we see that 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 Christ Himself is like the good things in our life is Him. Yeah, may I may I uh, make an additional uh, observation about Romans eight? Yeah, because um, Romans eight twenty eight is uh, is commonly quoted, oft quoted. Um, but and what do right we mean when we say that to people? What do we mean? You know, yeah. when we say that, you know? Yeah, but right before then is a is a deep observation, both linking this question um, of prayer. And, and, and linking um, kind of our gospel passage uh, regarding the Holy Spirit as comforter and advocate and helper, right? So starting at verse 26, 826, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, mm. for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. And I love, I've always loved this verse, Christopher, because I've often felt like I don't know what to pray for. Mm. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And then, and that's the prelude. That's the entry then into that kind of that, that, that verse that's oft quoted. And we know that for yeah. those who love God, all things work together for good. So the prelude to that is, is that, A, we're weak. We don't know in our weakness how to pray, but it's okay because the yeah. Holy Spirit is constantly interceding our, in our behalf. How is he interceding in our behalf? He's interceding like so earnestly that the groans are so profound that they cannot be um, put into words. That's how earnestly the Holy Spirit is interceding for us, even when we don't know how to pray. And that to me is deeply comforting. Um, the other, Christopher, the other passage that, that, that occurred to me as I read this is uh, the parable of the persistent widow or sometimes ah, the, yes. the parable of the unjust judge mm. um, in Luke 18. May, may I read it? It's just yeah. eight verses. Yeah. Um, this is Luke 18, one through eight. And he told them a parable to the effect that 
they ought always to pray and not to lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man. That's so great. That's such great. Whoever has like an internal monologue that, that honest. Anyhow, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Um, that also is reminiscent of um, when, he, when Jesus says, uh, if you who are evil yes. feed your children, <laughs> right? Like you don't, you don't give your, your son, like, what is it, a scorpion when he asks for bread? Right. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> profoundly humorous. In, yeah. in the, like, yeah, it's, How he's, much more he's clearly being funny. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. It must have been really funny. Yeah. How much more will your father in heaven give you good things when you ask? Right. It's reminiscent of that. Right. So like if an unjust judge mm -hmm. yeah. finally renders a just verdict when like uh, um, when you're persistent, uh, when you're persistent, how much more how much will more? the just <laughs> yes. um, father um, reward persistence? So I, I, I think kind of the, the clear lesson of, of prayer is um, persistence is OK. Right. Yeah. <laughs> not and, only is it OK, but it seems to be rewarded. Right? Or not even rewarded. It's not like a game. Right. Um, but, but God, I mean, we just said that God is, the Trinity is inherently relational. Prayer is relational. Mm. <laughs> Prayer is conversation with our maker. Uh, we, we draw closer to the source of our being um, and, and our heavenly father desires this. Um, so, I mean, in that sense, um, it's, it, it's, of course, um, the deeper we are drawn into relationship through prayer, um, that, that, is, that is going to be not beneficial. I don't. I don't want to make it sound transactional, um, but of course that will reap um, not benefits. It's good. It is good to pray and to pray constantly and to pray repeatedly. Yeah, I. I, I don't want to. Do you understand what I'm saying, Christopher? I don't want to oh, stray yeah. into a transactional right, language. Right. 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 It's not like well, if if, if you pray ten times and it doesn't work, <laughs> then pray thirty. Right. Yeah. And so I, I, I have, I have um, something to say actually about that. Um, what came to my mind was 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Paul wrote, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. And so we're catching Paul in context here. So right. it's not important to fill that in so much as to say, he says, A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul says, three times I prayed for this thorn to be removed. 
Kirk, I guarantee you Paul would have prayed 33 times, 333 times, um, had he not heard back from the Lord. But what he did hear back, I, I wonder if people are extrapolating on that and saying, well, you know, you've given it to the Lord and, and essentially the Lord is saying you must persist with this. No, like he's saying, I heard from the Lord. He said to me, my grace is sufficient. So, um, Paul had to live the rest of his life with this thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it is. He, and, and it, that's not actually important. Um, but the important thing is, is that he went to the Lord three times and heard her back very clearly. Um, no, my grace is sufficient. And Kirk, uh, another thing that I think of is, is the Psalter, um, that we have the 150 Psalms that, uh, have, have the whole array of emotions. And some people will say it's the church's prayer book. Some say it was Jesus prayer book. The Psalms are Jesus prayer book that Jesus was constantly quoting the Psalms, um, it, it, in good times and in bad from the cross, he quoted the Psalms and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That, that on his lips w- were these ancient prayers. Um, and uh, so we uh, have the Psalms as, as uh, I can guarantee you, Jesus prayed these Psalms repeatedly. Um, Psalms of lament, Psalms asking uh, his father for things. And, and so um, this is a pattern that we're given that, that, is, that is okay. And, and if um, Jesus lament, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is, is okay. I, th- I think God is big enough for our struggles, our anxieties. So as, as we learn to not be anxious, as we, um, in everything, pray to God and make our supplications known to him, um, we hope that, that, that God will um, take that from us. But it's not um, as simple as saying, well, you gave it to God once and he, he's going to take that. It's, it's a process. Yeah. Uh- I have found moving as well, Christopher, um, in Re- uh, Revelation chapter eight, um, the, the, the visual of what, what prayer looks like from God's end. Mm. Um, so in Revelation chapter eight, um, uh, chapter opens, when the lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with Mm. the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Like the prayers ascending from from church into the throne room are a lovely, fragrant um, thing, a fragrant offering to the Lord. Um, and that, that image is very stirring to me. Um, I, uh, I mean, Christopher, you and I, you and I grew up, uh, kind of a Methodist in small town America. So, I mean, I didn't attend, um, kind of a, a service, um, with, uh, with incense on, on a feast day and until an, as, as an adult, kind of an Anglicanism and it's still stirring to me. Mm. And, um, and this image is, is quite striking that the, the point of incense is, is that that is, that is how prayers are received in the nostrils of our Lord. They're lovely. It's lovely, fragrant, a lovely and fragrant offering. So I love that too. That should be encouraging to us as well. Kirk, I would be remiss if I didn't quote from a, a, quite a good book that came out this year 
I'm talking about Tish Harrison Warren's Prayer in the Night. Mm. Kirk, are you familiar with the book? Totally unfamiliar. Totally. So unfamiliar. I'm glad you're so, here to tell me about it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, would, I would commend this book to to everybody. In addition to her book, Liturgy of the Ordinary, um, but Prayer in the Night, uh, her work is very autobiographical, like weaving in and out just how the Lord works in her life, and and so she talks about uh, a very very dark moment, a, a, a night of her life, a very dark moment uh, when she was in the hospital um, in sorrow, recovering from a, uh, from bleeding and uh, what ultimately was and ended up being a miscarriage. And um, she had no words to pray. And she asked her husband, pray Compline with me. Mm. Compline is, is, is the last prayer um, of the day before bed. And uh, here's a quote. Um, from the book that I guess that's enough setup for it. <laughs> so she says, for most of my life, I didn't know there were different kinds of prayer. Prayer meant only one thing, talking to God with words I came up with. Prayer was wordy, unscripted, self-expressive, spontaneous, and original. But when we pray the prayers we've been given by the church, the prayers of the psalmist and the saints, we pray what we can know, believe, or drum up. We, I'm sorry. We pray beyond what we can know, believe, or drum up in ourselves. When my strength waned and my words ran dry, I needed to fall into a way of belief that carried me. So she's not criticizing spontaneous belief. Um, so prayer is talking with God. God cares about you as an individual person. He, he knows the hairs on your head. He loves you. He knows you and he cares about all of your hurts. And Jesus is never, ever separated from them. He is never detached. Um, and yet um, prayer is more than, than just talking with God. So, so let, me, let me not say that it, it's only um, you know, scripted. Uh, God wants you to go to him with your, your deepest hurts. Um, but there may be times where, where you don't have the words to pray. And so we turn to the Psalms. We turn to the prayers of the saints. We turn to our prayer books. And um, out of our emptiness, we offer up um, prayers that, that, um, that guide us to God. Amen. I, uh, I, I echo that sentiment. I think um, there was a book Madeline Langle wrote um, for uh, a lovely little book. I, I, I haven't seen it for like 15 years that, that our priest gave my wife when she was being um, received into the Episcopal Church. Um, on, um, it was kind of a helpful primer for people coming into Episcopalianism. And, uh, and she made a similar observation um, that there are many, they, she has, had discovered that there were many a times in her life when she neither had the words nor the energy to pray um, and it was an enormous relief to collapse into the arms of those who have, who have known it before, um, who have been through whatever, grief, rage, sorrow, exhaustion, anxiety, panic, depression, um, the, the entire spectrum of the human condition. Um, our, our forebears have known, um, our Lord has known, right? And, and those words exist. And sometimes when we don't have them, um, it's helpful to have that aid as well.
Shall we end there and, and move on to prayer? Speaking of prayer, let's end in prayer. Absolutely. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. Almighty God, whom truly to know is everlasting life, grant us so perfectly to know your son, Jesus Christ, to be the way, the truth, and the life, that we may steadfastly follow his steps and the way that leads to eternal glory. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech you, O Lord, and by your great mercy, defend us from all perils and dangers of this night. For the love of your only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Next week, Kirk. Next week, man. Yeah.